Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. So this week's Parsha, as I've been trying to say, is Baha'alotecha, easy for me to say. And there's there's a few different bits and bobs that you're probably familiar with out of this Parsha. Um, and we're today going to be focusing on uh, the narrative, the short narrative at the end of the Parsha, but not necessarily the the part or two that you might usually have, have heard about or learned about um, out of this narrative. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up. Um, we're, we're going to be learning out of chapter 12, book of numbers. Or I'll just, I will oh. just, mm-hmm. no, I just want to add that in chapter 10, there's a very famous, um, section that, that we sing every week. It's Moshe. And if you scroll up a little bit, Rabbi Matthew Shapiro, um, did you just mute me? I didn't, I was admitting someone and it just, it clicked onto your thing. I didn't mean to. Um, but She's if you muting me, folks. Like, Rabbi Schatz doesn't want free speech in this class. Okay, wait, stop. Okay, so, uh, okay, so you can see these little brackets here. You are so annoying. You can see these little brackets here right at chapter 10, verse 35, and at the end of chapter 10, verse 36. And what that's showing you is that the 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 really the rabbis who ended up coming back in and putting this in believed this to be its own book these two verses actually within the scope of the entire torah these two verses are seen as their own narrative their own book and you know these verses very well because we say them every week but they are in in and of themselves there's there's not really so much to kind of flesh out, but it's a very interesting uh, way of thinking about um, like a very, a very specific uh, credo almost that we would want to hold as separate from um, the rest of the Torah. So I just wanted to point that out. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I wanted you to see what it looks like and point out that it's in this week's Parsha. Go ahead. And now for something completely different. Well, it's the same Parsha. And now for something almost completely different. Exactly. Um, chapter 12. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Whoop, come back, chapter 12. There we go. Um, in an incident that uh, y'all might have heard of before, that we, that we don't have a ton of context for in and of itself necessarily either, but it's it's more of a, an expanded narrative than the two verses Rabbi Schatz was just referring to. Miriam and Aaron, who, by the way, even though they're Moses's, Moses, 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 siblings, we don't hear a ton about them, like as, as a unit, right, over the course of the Torah. Um, but here, they speak against Moses, uh, and, and fascinatingly, right, Moses, uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. He married a Cushite woman. You see that put in quotes, it's like it's, it's dialogue. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? 
the Lord heard it, right? So we don't know the context for this. We're not quite sure of like what, what motivates the complaint, um, why this is necessarily problematic in and of itself, um, why this is connected to a complaint about sort of Moses' status as a, as a leader um, or as a prophet, right? Like there's, there's a lot of sort of contextual confusion about like where this is coming from and, and why they're complaining. And then in verse three, kind of seem to get a non sequitur. Moses was a very humble man, more so than any other man on earth. Okay, thank you, Torah. How is that connected to this complaint? You can kind of see the connection with verse two, right, in terms of his prophetic status, but also seems a little bit random. Uh, and sudden, suddenly, Pitom, suddenly, uh, God calls Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. All right, kids, we're going to need to talk about this all together as a family. God calls the three of them all together. Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. I'm picturing them like sort of like poking each other, like, oh, well, you started it, right? Sort of like that. Um, that's my vision for what's happening in the Torah. Um, God came down in a pillar of, cr- of cloud, stopped at the entrance of the tent, and called out Aaron and Miriam. Uh-oh, guess who's in trouble. Aaron and Miriam. The two of them came forward. Um, I'm going to briefly fast forward over the next three verses, just because I want to like get to the resolution of the story, and then we're going to dive back in. Rabbi Shantz, does that work for you? Yeah. Fantastic. We're going to get back to those three verses. God was angry with them. Um, and then what happens is Miriam uh, is stricken with leprosy. Aaron saw that she was stricken with leprosy. Aaron is upset. Please forgive, right? We're, we're sorry for what we did. Don't let her die. Uh, Moses calls out to God, El Narafana La, which some of you are probably familiar with. As a These prayer. are all very famous pieces. I didn't I even... I know. And we're not going to be focusing on any of them at all. Uh, so I want to make sure we at least touch on them. Uh, El Narafana La, God, please heal her, which some of you are probably familiar with as, as a tefillah, as a prayer for healing. God says to Moses, if her father spat in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp and then be readmitted. She was out of the camp for seven days. They didn't go on until she was readmitted. And then yada, 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 they keep wandering through the desert. So the famous pieces that we won't be talking about today include, but are not limited to, the concept of Lashon Hara and how harmful it can be. Questions of gender equality, why is Miriam punished but not Aaron? Um, the idea of prayer as having a healing impact. Questions of racism in the Torah in terms of the problem of potentially Tzipora being a Kushite woman, if that is who they are referring to. Uh, questions of leadership. Questions of Moshe's humility. All of those pieces are floating around in these verses and more. And we are going to be focusing on none of them. We're going to be focusing on verses six through eight because they caught my eye and they seemed interesting, but plenty to explore in these verses. Yes, Rabbi Schatz? Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Rewinding back, God calls out Aaron and Miriam. The two of them come forward. We're going to be focusing on, on verses six through eight. Vayomer, Shimon Advarai. Hey, guys, listen up to my words. Im Adonai, right? When when there is a prophet of God, uh, in a vision, 
uh, I make myself known, right? I appear. Bechalom adaberbo. I speak with him in a dream. Lochen agi Moshe. Not so with my servant Moshe. Bechol beiti ne'emanhu. In all of my house, he is trustworthy. He is trusted. Pe el pe adaberbo. I speak with him mouth to mouth. I speak to him. It's translated here as plainly and not in riddles, but you can see here in verse 8 this word mar'e connecting up here to verse 6, mar'a, right? This this idea of ra'a, like vision, right? So it, it, it translated as plainly and not in riddles here, but there's there's that sense of like of, of vision, of, of seeing clearly. Utmunat Adonayabit. And he beholds the likeness of God, right? Tmuna, right? Picture. Moses is the one who's able to see this, this likeness, this, this picture of God. And the sense is clearly in a way that others cannot. Umadua lo yiritem. Why? Right? Why? Why didn't you? It says here, how then did you not shrink from speaking against my servant Moses? I would translate this better as like, why, why didn't why didn't you see this right? How didn't you get this right? Why why isn't this clear to you to talk to talk against Moses, my, my servant, and against Moses this way? So I have a lot of thoughts on these verses. I think they're very interesting verses with with some uh, interesting themes to pick up on. But I will kick it over to Rabbi Schatz to hear from y'all about your kushiot. Okay, Kushiot, any thoughts or questions on these three verses? <laughs> yeah, Renee. This idea that he speaks with him mouth to mouth, it's not really mouth to mouth. I mean, because he doesn't, he doesn't speak the way we speak, you know, and I don't even agree with the not in riddles because a lot of what Hashem says is, is not so clear to Moshe. He's not always so clear on what he needs to do and what he needs to say to the people. Great. So to to make that into a question, I would say that Oh yeah, sorry. What is it? No, it's okay. What does it mean that that All answers must be submitted in the form of the question. It's like je- it's, a, it's like Jeopardy. And what Rabbi Schatz is our Alex Trebek Alav Hashalam. Okay. What does it mean that that's that they are speaking mouth to mouth? And what does it mean that God seems to think that he is that God is not speaking to Moshe in riddles? Yet when we read the Torah and when we hear from Moshe, it seems as though there are tons of riddles that Moshe is not understanding or at least not able to uh, decode, so to speak, when when Moshe, Moshe is speaking with him. Other other kushiot, other thoughts, questions. Susan, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you yet, even though you're a hundred feet away from me. Yeah, Bonnie. What does it mean trusted throughout my household? What does that mean is done either with or through Moses? Great. Yeah. What does it mean that that my household believes in you, right? That there is some kind of trust. Interestingly, when you speak of a house in the Talmud, you are speaking of your wife, uh, which comes with it many, that's true, Rabbi Shapiro, thank you for the face, um, 
which comes with it many different metaphors, right? Like the woman is who is taking care of the household. So when I read this verse, that's actually what popped into my head. Like does household in this case mean everybody in his household or because as Rabbi Shira mentioned before, we've spoken about Moshe's wife pretty prominently in this parsha. Are we, are we talking about the fact that that my wife, who is your family, um, you know, trusts you and therefore allows me to trust you as well. Um, I, I obviously don't know, but what does it mean that, that he is being trusted throughout the household? Other thoughts, other questions. Okay. Um, Rabbi Shapiro, take it away. People must, must be sleepy on a Friday. There, I have so no, many. I think qu- these are these are hard verses to ask questions about. Why are they hard verses to ask questions about? I, I think question, that they what, are. Rabbi Shantz, what questions? Do, what questions do you have about these verses, Rabbi Shantz? Um, we just took them down. So. Oh, oh, Ryan is a hi, Ryan. I haven't seen you here before. How are you? Hi. Uh, yes, actually, my first time joining this class. Oh, welcome. Uh, so great my, to have you. My my apologies that you stumbled upon us, but it's wonderful to have you here. So already after our banter, uh, engaging an interesting class. Um, I was wondering if there's uh, you know any relationship with this in my household verse to Moshe being a Levite, and you know perhaps hmm. prophets in the past have been of of other tribes, but the Levites distinctly are the the priestly class who is you know entrusted with this distinct responsibility. Great. Yeah, it's possible that that what we're referring to when we say household is like it is even much more far reaching than just actually the household. But where you come from, what you're used to, what your tribe is in this particular case. So potentially it has to do with his Levite status. That's a a great question. Um, Did you really want me to answer, Rabbi Shapiro, or do you you want to just? It wasn't just rhetorical. I mean, I, I was wondering if anything stuck out. You, I'm happy to toss a couple in the hopper just in terms of like opening up these verses since we usually just like have, have more pushy out because I think there's a, there were a couple of things that that stuck out to me but I wanted to offer it up to you too yeah I um I was very taken with this first verse in like a very drashy way so I won't I won't reveal my uh my thoughts in this moment but but just the there are there are points in the Torah where um, where it's very specific how we are being spoken to or how we are being approached. And so my question about verse six was, why is it important to say that you're going to hear something, but you're also going to stand up and um, uh, and like be a leader of something and then also see something? Um, and I thought those those three they're not all actions, I guess, but like those three quote actions um, are very, are very interesting to me, especially in the relationship between God and a person. Um, and then the last question that I, that I focused on was similar to, to Renee's question, which is what does it mean that they're speaking mouth to mouth? And when it says the likeness of the Lord, does that mean similar to my drash last week in the sanctuary, actually, um, is this really Moshe speaking to God or is this actually a moment where Moshe has seen Moshe's self or God seeing God's self in Moshe? Um, so those were my two, the two things that I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea of like Tunat Adonai Yabit is an interesting one for sure. That's part of what caught my eye as well as a, 
as it were. Uh-huh. Um, this, this idea of like a, like a, a snapshot of God, right? What, is, what does that mean to, yeah. to, to like see this image of God? Like we, we obviously know in our tradition restrictions on, on depicting God's likeness, but Moses can see it clearly, but others can't. But what does it mean that Moses can see that clearly? Cause we're told that he can't see God face to face. Right. I think, we, we've touched on this a few times over the course of this year, right? But but what does it mean? This idea of like, of of seeing of seeing God. I think to me that that's often an interesting question that I that I turn to. Maybe I need some new material, but but I think it's an interesting question. Um, I, something came to me in terms of like a catch twenty two here. It's it's not like a kushia kushia, but. I just want to like Rabbi Shots. Maybe you, maybe you can help me with this, Rabbi Shots. You're so often so helpful to me. Okay. Great. So, <laughs> um, what's what's fascinating to me in terms of verse six is like God calls to Miriam and Aaron, and and others can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's any other point in the Torah in which God speaks to like Miriam and Aaron as a unit. Right. Like I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this is the only time in the Torah when it's like God speaking to the two of them and the two of them only. So this is sort of like an unusual configuration. Yeah. And God's saying to them, hey, when a prophet arises, right, a prophet, presumably someone who can like hear and transmit the word of God. Yeah. I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Presumably, Miriam and Aaron are awake while this is happening. So what, so what, so what's going on here, right? Like God saying to them, you can only really hear my words clearly, right? You can only really hear my words and you're only going to hear them in riddles. Yeah. When you're dreaming, did they go to sleep right before this is happening? Like what's, does that make sense? It's like a kushia that's not a kushia, but it's, it just strikes me as a weird thing that God calls Miriam and Aram forward. He says, the only way you're really going to hear, the only way prophets can really hear me is through a dream but they're awake right now, but he's talking to them and only them, right? So that that strikes me as at least a little bit funky. Um, or or is this not prophecy? Or am, maybe am it's I a daydream. It? Yeah, I think that it's it could be a daydream. I also think that what you just said was going to be my response. I don't I don't think that this moment of instruction is prophecy. I think that whatever would then come next. Like, this is like an introduction to how the relationship is changing, right? So when you, when you, when you are in a relationship and you go from one stage of a relationship to another stage of a relationship, there's a conversation that is had about how that changes. And so I think that here what's happening is that it's going from this type of relationship to now this is how I'm going to speak to you in this next step of relationship between us. So similar to what you were saying, I think that it's not prophecy right now, but will be. But I also have a whole other take on this first. But yeah. You're you're saying that God is saying to Miriam and Aaron, this is going to, the relationship amongst the three of us is going to go to a different type of relationship? No, no, no. That God's relationship with people. Meaning God starts out in Genesis, right? As as an anthropomorphized God. Anthropomorphized. I know. Hey, yeah, no, okay. you nailed it. Got it. Oh, first thanks. Time. Oh, yeah. Good job. Okay. So um, that 
God is a character in the story. God then moves to being more of like the spirit, like found in a bush, splitting a sea type God in Exodus and in Leviticus and Numbers. And then Deuteronomy is kind of its own ball game. God is much more the God that we experience, which is not speaking directly to us, but things are happening because God is out there somewhere. And so I think this is a pivotal moment in that change of God's character. I hadn't thought about it until you asked the question. So I haven't like researched to see if I'm right, but I, but in terms of the stories that come next in our canon, it seems to be that God shifts after this. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I definitely ascribe, I mean, we, we talked about it often to hear this idea of God as a character evolving in the story along with people, right? This idea that I've cited multiple times of, of, you know, God, God as the protagonist in the overall story of Tanakh. And, and so you're, you're saying, is this a moment when, when that's shifting? It's an interesting question. Although there are still pieces where God relates to, to like, Part of what's interesting to me about verse eight, and and I think Renee, you named it as well. Like, I, I feel like the Torah gives us gives us mixed messages, as it were, in a relationship. The Torah gives us mixed messages about like how close are Moses and God really? Can they see each other face to face, or can't they? Right. Do they speak mouth to mouth, or is it mediated? Moses yeah. is different than other prophets, but it seems like Moses doesn't really understand what God is saying, or edits it a bit, or needs clarification. Yeah. Right. So, so I think that that's that you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. Rabbi is this a, a good segue or love Dafka to your sense of verse six? Because it seems like you have some thoughts on it and we're, we're riffing on it a bit. So I don't know if you want to go for it or you want to go another. Um, mine is like very drashy. So if you have things that are a little bit more shot on the dra- on the verse. I am, I, would... I am a simple. I am but a simple man. <laughs> so I, then I would go with that first and then I can drash it afterwards. Um, Though I will say there's an aura <laughs> just a just a butt in here. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even get to start talking. <laughs> there is um, I'll share my screen. There is an aura here that actually speaks to this directly, um, and this is not the piece that I was going to. Uh, speak on but it says it is also possible that god hinted to them that this would be the last time that god would communicate with them directly the fact that they were about to receive a communication on a more direct level than ever before did not mean that they had suddenly qualified for a higher level of prophecy and that they would continue to receive communications from god directly so to go kind of back on this point that we were just speaking about in in conjunction to what we were both just saying it seems like it's it, it, there is this teetering in between these two um, these two experiences with God, but it seems to still be different for Moshe and his siblings than it will be for the rest of the people. Say that. Say that again. It seems like based on the Orachim's commentary that it's still going to be different for Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam than it is going to be for the rest of Bnei Israel. That there, that there's, that there's levels that even though Miriam and Aaron aren't at Moses' level, they're still separated out from the from the other people. Yeah, I think so. Say that again. Pull it up. Let me let me see it again. I'm a visual learner, as everyone knows. 
<laughs> uh huh. Oh, the fact that they were a- about to receive a communication on a more delectable did not mean that they had suddenly. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think this this is answering the question that I asked. Right? They 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 just because they were able to get to level 25 in the God Prophecy video game, it doesn't mean that they automatically get to start at level 25 every time they boot up the game moving forward. Right. Right. Okay. Whereas Moses is always at level 50. Exactly. I mean, I don't understand what you're saying, but I, but yes, the metaphor works. Well, just, just because you've reached a certain level of something, that doesn't mean you automatically stay there, which I think is, is germane to this idea of like spiritual experience generally, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you have a moment of like deep connective kavana when you're davening to go with a metaphor that I guess is a little more germane to a Parsha class. Um, just because you you get to that level when you're davening, it doesn't mean that every time you open a door from that point on, you're you're boosted up to fila power one thousand, right? You right, right, exactly, that. exactly, yeah, yeah. Rabbi Schatz, can you te- teach a class called fila power one thousand? Um, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting piece. Renee would take the class. I see Renee would definitely take the class. Okay. I don't I don't know if that's, if that's Renee that. would take any class that Rabbi Schatz would teach. I was just gonna I'm say just like saying. I don't think that's a face. It could be underwater favorite. basket weaving and I would take it. Yes, you were gonna say Rabbi Shapiro I'm with about Renee. Torah. She's she's with Renee. I, the you, only oh, see I'm different. The only class I would take with Rabbi Schatz would be the class titled Tefillah Power One Thousand. Otherwise I'm not interested. Um <laughs> but I would sign up for that as soon as registration opened. <laughs> um, this idea of God image, as I think folks know, is, is always of interest to me. Um, and I saw, like, it's part of a, a much larger teaching from Reb Nachman on verse 8, right, this idea of, of the tmunah, which we, we usually think of as right, modern Hebrew, like tmunah is, is picture, and I think here is being used a little more broadly in the sense of, of image. Um, but Reb Nachman says, riffing on this verse, he says, God's portrait consists of the representations by which we depict him. God's portrait consists of the representations by which we depict him. So it's, it's not what, well, yeah. It's yeah, I not saw that, that and I love that idea. Right, that it's, it's not like there's, right. So it's not like, like a regular picture, like a static kind of something, right? Like this is just, it's just a, it's just a picture, right? Okay. Well, that's a picture that, right. That if, if we're talking here, it's like, it would be like flowing and dynamic and Bonnie would share like part of her vision of God and it would like shift the picture and then Susan would chime in and it would like shift it a little bit, right? Like the way in which we depict and think about God, that it's, that it's like, that it's dynamic, that it's ever changing, that it's not static. And I think that this idea sort of then like inserted back into this verse it amplifies what makes Moshe special that much more, right? That part of what makes Moses unique in terms of his relationship with God is that he's not saying, oh, that's God, right? It's it's static. It's not changing. That may be part of what makes Moses unique as a prophet is that he's able to stay open to this fact that, you know, we, we are always 
depicting God in a different kind of way and it's evolving. What What's interesting as well about that Reb Nachman teaching is that <clears throat> these verses seem to be very um, striated in terms of leadership. Like there's like big Mo is at the top and everyone else is underneath, right? Yeah. Or or per Rabbi, Sh- the piece from of the Orchaim that Rabbi Shat shared that like there's Mo and Aaron and Miriam are a little bit higher, right? The idea of the priestly class was introduced a little bit, right? But what Reb Nachman's teaching is introducing, and it's a, a common thread through Hasidic thought in terms of democratization of spiritual experience, is he he doesn't say oh, only some people can do that, right? He does talk about how prophets offer like different representations of God, but he's still talking about all prophets. He's not saying only Moses had the ability to offer up these representations. He's saying different prophets contribute different different representations of God. Um, and so I think it's an interesting idea to bring in here that, like, the 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 picture isn't a picture, right? The picture is like uh, uh, it's it's more lava lampy than uh, than than portrait. Right? Where's my ooh, Where's my lava? Lamp? I'm gonna find my lava lamp on the other side of your computer. That's correct. I, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure that I get the lava lamp piece, but um, but I do. That's not a lot. Yeah. Okay. Can you, can you tell me what you mean by it's not that, but it is. What? Can you explain to me what your, what your connection is between this and the piece of art? I'm saying it's, I'm saying it's this, but not this. That it's more fluid. The podcast makes no sense at all right now. Um, This whole podcast I think has not made sense thus far. Today's class has bonus visual aids. Right? So that, you're saying that something that is more... It's, it's this. It's not this. I'm trying to... Camera one. Camera two. More, to fluid. Out more fluid. Thank you, Karen. The word is fluid. fluid. Yes. Karen Karen puts words to my yammerings. Thank you, Karen. And, and not as defined. It's not well-defined. That's Correct. what fluid means. <laughs> I know, Karen. I was just helping you out with another synonymous. Okay. So... Renee, I, are you making synonym rolls over there? So I think that I, I agree with you. The only thing that's that that is interesting about that is that one of the commentaries that I found, um, which is here, this is actually on a different part of the verse, I think. Right? What was your, was yours on the same words? Yes. Oh, okay. Then never mind. Um, but I do think that this is this is an interesting. Um, I don't know if it's opposite, but kind of counteracting counter counterpoint to your um, art piece because if the, the so the Hamek Davar says this example shows that God can see all of the world just as Moshe sees it, and if he knows, he oh, knew what a, they it totally it totally inverts it. Correct. So I think that well, it not totally inverts because wait, I think wait wait that, wait put it back put it back put it back. <sighs> Because I think, I just can't see everybody if I put it back. Okay. Back I don't back. know that it totally inverts. Why do you think it's a total opposite? Wait, hold on. I didn't get, you You just said like part of it. Let me see it. This example shows that God can see all of the world just as Moshe sees. And if he knows, he knew what they said about him. They did not find it in their hearts to tell him directly to his face. And because of this, God rebuked them. That part isn't part of the, I didn't read it because it's not part of what is in the Hebrew. Oh, but it's, but it's context. Correct. This yeah. example shows that God can see all the world. Who's the he in the he? If if he knows, he knew what they said about him. 
Who's the he? I think. And who's I on think, first? Yeah, I think that what this is saying, the reason I just focus on the first part is because I think that what this is saying is that that God, it, when we talk about people being made in the image of God, we don't often think about then what does that mean for what God is seeing or God is experiencing. And I think that what this is saying is that that chmunat adonayabit, right? Those are the words from the from this verse right. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that what that's getting at is that it's not just that that you are seeing an image of God, but rather God is within you seeing whatever you are seeing through God's eyes. So God is in turn like experiencing the world the way that you are experiencing the world, as opposed to you seeing the world and imagining that's God. Does that make sense? This is from Prince of Egypt, what Ravish Rio is singing. But yes, Through Heaven's Eyes is the name of that song. Your dad was singing it out on the field earlier to the kids. Oh, cute. But I think that, let me try to explain it one more time. If I see something, I could say God is in, I'm going to use Susan as an example. If I walk into Susan's office and I am taken with something that Susan has said to me, I can say I experienced God in an interaction that I had with Susan. I think what this commentary is saying is that you haven't experienced God because you experienced Susan, but because God is within you and then seeing Susan, God is actually kind of like channeling almost that which is being seen because God is part of you. So it's putting God kind of within your own, your own visuals, your own experiences, rather than that which is outside of you, which I think is a, just a, an interesting contrast to your art thing. Well, it's also interesting because then is, is how, I mean, I have to, I, I would want to look at the fuller commentary to try to break it down because it's an interesting idea. Is he saying that that is specific to Moshe? that God only does that through Moshe, or is he saying that, that more broadly? I, I don't know. That's a great right. question. I don't know. Because it's interesting, like, and that's part of why I said it feels like, yeah, right, rather than, because Tumunat Adonai Yabit makes it seem like Moses is the one Yabiting at right. the Tumunat of God, and it seems right. like the Haimek Devar is saying that the Tunat Adonai is the one who is yabiting out into the world, like through Moses, right? Exactly. So it's like who's who's seeing who's seeing what and what are they seeing? Yeah. Um, and is it is it a, a big mo exclusive or is it something for for everyone? I don't. I don't I, well, I don't know what the Torah means, but I think that the commentator is saying that it's not exclusive. Interesting. Well, it's also, I mean, the, the the other piece that's floating around here for me, and, and it's it's narrative context only insofar as it's also part of the Parsha, that folks might know the story, might not know the story, might might hear it ringing as well. But earlier on um, in the Parsha, there's this story of how Moses and like the 70 elders, there, there's all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack even more, I promise I'll, I'll maintain a train of thought here there there's a a thread throughout the torah of 
Moses taking too much leadership on himself and how he yeah. asked for help, right? Yeah. It happens um, in Parshat Yitro before the Ten Commandments. So there's something to be said about like when Moses like delegates that makes it possible for like, you know, revelation to happen. There's something to that. Um, although then the Torah will say, no, 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 chronology is not a thing in the Torah. And that continues to not make any sense at all to me. Um, but it, but it happens again in this Parsha that Moses like it expands out to these 70 elders. And wh- what happens is everybody receives prophecy and it stops for others, but it keeps going for two people and and other people get worried. They're like, they're, they're out there. They're prophesizing in the camp and they get worried about it. Yoshua comes to Moses. Joshua comes to Moses and says, they're prophesying in the camp. And Moses says, if only all of God's people were prophets. And that's in the same Parsha as this one. And I think that that's really, really interesting when, when you sort of like then, then layer that piece in and filter that in for all of these pieces that we're talking about, right? Does, does, does Moses want to be the only one who has this access? I'm not sure yeah. that he does. Like, we usually see it as a good thing. Like, wow, there was never a prophet like Moses. That seems lonely. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. That, that seems like kind of an isolating thing. Now I'm thinking like Soloveitchik, like the lonely man of faith. Like that, that if, if you're really having an experience where you're the only one who knows what that's like. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. actually. Um, and now if we're getting into the idea of like filtering, God, like God's viewing through my eyes and you go see Susan and you and Susan schmooze and it's like really divine and you're feeling connected to each other, right? That's also feeling very I thou-y, right? In terms of Uber sense and, and relationship and like really experiencing God in the world through a way of seeing that you're experiencing God in such a way that that you're seeing it through relationship. But Uber's yeah. also not just talking about it insofar as I'm going to have this relationship and it's going to be a whole relationship, but it's actually a lens through which I'm viewing the entire world. And it's not just, Oh, I'm going to see God in you. I'm open to an I vow experience of the entire world, which is then hopefully less lonely because I'm then connected to something bigger than me and it's less lonely. So maybe that's part of why Moses wants everyone to be able to have access to prophecy, which in turn then informs how we might see God as more dynamic and less static. Yeah. I I agree. I think we've gone like super philosophical, but I I <laughs> I agree with the premise. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I did bring it. I did bring it back to what we were talking about. I got a little lost along the way, but I. That's I okay. It it's reminded about. me of philosophy during rabbinical school, where I was just like, yeah, uh huh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm, yep. I was um, a philo- I, I focused on philosophy in rabbinical school. Should I share my little drashi piece? I yes, mean, I've been keeping things very focused and, and literal. Everyone's so not. I don't know if you want to get on a whole drosh or anything, but. Okay, so the Ramban, um, I was. Let me go hang going, up my picture. Great. Um, when I was going through commentators on this first verse here, the Ramban said something that I'm only going to read the beginning of it because it's actually not his commentary that I want to focus on at all. It's just that his commentary sparked this idea in my mind. So just to remind you, this, this piece here in chapter 12, verse 6 says, Here these, they're my words, meaning God's words. When a prophet of Adonai arises among you, comma, I make myself God known to a person in a vision, comma, I speak with a person in a dream, period-ish. Okay, 
So just keep those things in mind. So arises among you, known in a vision, speak with you in a dream. All right. So I looked at the Ramban. And the Ramban starts by saying, in a vision, I do make myself known to him. That's the that's the Deborah Matfield. That's the, that's what he's commenting on from the Torah. Scripture, who scripture does not say I will appear to him in a vision, but it says I will make myself known. This verse is then similar to the one which states, and I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the Almighty, stating that the great name appears in a vision, and through it God becomes known to the prophet. But the prophet does not know God by God's great name, just as God has said, but by my name, the eternal, I made me not. Not known to them. Okay, so again, I'm not as concerned about, or not as uh, for this moment, as concerned about this piece of commentary. Just so you can see it in the Hebrew, it's very Abraham el Yitzchak el Yaakov el Shaddai. So none of those words are the same as the words that we have in our verse here, except what this made me think of is when a prophet of the Lord arises among you, which of our which of our ancestors did that happen to? Abraham. Exactly. Then I make, myself, I make myself known to him in a vision. That's Jacob. Jacob. Good. It's also Isaac because Isaac's eyes go grow dim after an experience that was caused by God. I speak with him in a dream is Joseph. And so for me, when I, when I saw this verse after being tipped off by the Ramban, that's not what the Ramban is saying at all. It just made me think of, of this. I thought it was really interesting that in this one verse, it's actually bringing to mention our three prominent fathers. And Joseph, you know, people always say, why isn't Joseph included in the Amidah? Joseph just as prominent before Moshe appears on the scene. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph are all brought kind of to mind in this one verse in explaining to Moshe how this relationship with God is going to go. And I just, maybe it's the nostalgia in me, but I think it's very interesting when the Torah harkens back to other characters that have then made the character who they are, because Moshe is not really connected to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Joseph. However, his story could not have happened without these other stories before him. So being able to, in a verse, crack this code to see a little bit of Abraham and a little bit of Isaac and a little bit of Jacob and a little bit of Joseph, we then get this full package of Moshe now being able to be seen as prophetic or in an I-thou relationship with God. Renee, did you want to say something to that? That's super groovy. Thanks, Rabbi Shapiro. Yeah, very cool. Wow, thanks. Do you think that they were doing it as a way to um, to get Moshe to to trust Hashem more? Like, oh, look, this is how what happened to each of us. So it's like a you know proof that it's cool. You can you can believe him. Maybe I don't I don't know. I mean, this is not to pat myself on the back. I don't I couldn't find any commentaries that said this same thing. So I don't know if this was even intentional or if it's just me reading into it. But I do think that me reading into it does lead me to to your um, to your conclusion as well, that there is something about being able to 
to know that things have gone well for the people who have come before you, that if you are in a similar position, things will also go well for you. That doesn't mean they're going to be easy, but things might go well for you. So yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Any other thoughts on this? What do you think, Rabbi Shapiro? <laughs> I, I, I love how, can you pull that, can you pull that up again? Yeah. Just the verse or the commentary? I don't. I, I wish. I wish I had it because, as we know, I, I I process information through like you know do, doodling on it basically. So <laughs> I wish I could have been like you know drawing drawing football plays on it while you were talking because that's how I process information. And Rabbi Adam Kligfeld is looking in to my office as we are teaching class. Do you want to come make a guest appearance? Uh, <laughs> he was just waving. He's very confused. I don't think he can hear me. Um, so Rabbi Adam Clickfeld, when you listen to our uh, oh yeah, we're forty nine minutes in. Um, hi Rabbi Clickfeld. Um, I I love I I'm what I'm excited about is like the weaving together of the avot into like sort of bundling them and then like hyperlinking them into this verse. Yeah. Right. Because because I'm thinking about, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about, again, this idea of prophecy and relationship and like, you know, I'm, the, the, it's interesting to me also that like the idea of relationship is popping up here because like feeding this back into, you can, you can take it back down. Cause now I'm just looking at, the, okay. so, um, you know, because multiple commentators talk about, I saw just like briefly in terms of these verses in the sense of prophecy, this idea how Moses, you know, this is all in the context of Moses's relationship with his wife. Yeah. Um, which for those keeping score at home, we hear almost nothing about in the Torah other than he really separates himself from her. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that again connects to this idea of like relationship and loneliness some people try to say like, well, Miriam and Aaron are criticizing him for like not being close enough to his wife. It's like, yeah, that's right. not what the verses are saying, but okay. Um, so, so to me, there's also something about like hyperlinking in the avot here. Like it's an interesting counterbalance to that in terms of like, even if he's not connected to his wife and even if like there's some tension with his siblings, like prophecy is still, can I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, that's, I, I really, I've done this with other, with other verses and other pieces, most, most famously, though it's not famous to anybody except for me and my Google drive. Um, I did this with the, um, with uh, the piece from Ecclesiastes, a time to this and a time to that. I, I partnered up all the couplets with, from from the Garden of Eden all the way through. Um, I remember you taught that. You Joshua. taught. I remember. Yeah, I taught, taught it last that. year. Yeah, I remember that. It was in three dimensions. It was in yeah. the sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was great. So I like. I, 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 I have that sheet in my in my pile here somewhere. Wow, I'm so honored. So I like that kind of connection as well as you're saying because I think that if we can, if we can see places in which the Torah harkens back to their own you know, ancestors and relatives, then we also can see ourselves in the pieces of Torah that would bring us back to them. Because if we can see in that moment that Moshe, whether or not the Torah expected this, is bringing to mind, at least for the reader, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, that somehow there is a way for us then to see ourselves, you know, as the next step out and be able to 
look back onto Moshe and say, oh, this is part of my story too. Yeah. I see, but I have, I have something that I think can connect this all the way back to Adam based on Ryan's question earlier, but I see Bonnie has her hand up. Oh, great. Yeah, Bonnie. So there's been a lot of thought and thinking and words here this morning. <laughs> um, and More so than usual? Well, I don't know, but um, it, doesn't, it didn't seem quite as linear. But anyway, but what I got was from all of the different verses and, you know, visions and words and seeing and speaking and hearing. I mean, you could throw music in there. What it spoke to me was that all of us have a, have a way, just as our ancestor did, to access God in whatever way that we are able to. Yeah. That's what I took away. Yeah, d- definitely nothing about today has been linear. And, uh, and I'm, I am honored that you think that sometimes it is linear. Um, but the, the fact that, that we are bringing up other, other people, or you're right, like other experience, other experiential, let me say it that way, other experiential ways of encountering the divine, I think is exactly the point. Really, any time past when we receive Torah, when we are experiencing God in the Torah, reading about God with characters in the Torah, but also for ourselves, the way that we need to understand certain pieces of our story, our history, those who came before us to create our history, um, I think you're exactly right that that we now need to figure out, okay, so how do I, how do I fit in, right? What, what for me is the way that I experience God? Is it mouth to mouth? Is it in a vision? Is it when I dream? Is it speaking to another person and seeing them as godly? Like what, what are the ways in which I'm experiencing God? God is clearly saying to Moshe, this is the way that I expect that you might experience me. Um, but to be able to say, great, well, well, how does it work for me? What's the best way for me to experience God? Yeah. You're thinking very deeply, Rabbi Shapiro. Well, I'm trying. I mean, I know, you know, even 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 I have have levels of of distraction and tangents. Um, and I, you know, I went on that long rant earlier that concluded with the um, the lava lamp and the picture. And I'm just trying to like streamline my thoughts before I offer one more piece, um, which is. I think I think there are a number of profound tensions in the Torah, right? Like I I don't think it is at all a a linear document or a simple document, right? We talk about this a lot in here, mm-hmm. and I think one of the one of the many profound tensions is the tension between solo leadership and more more of a shared leadership model, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that is one of the pieces that's that's showing up here in these verses. Mm-hmm. Um, the hearkening back um Ryan to your to your question about like what is this what is this like bite what is this um Rabbeinu Bachim makes a comment he actually connects it all the way back to Adam right so I'll I'll see Rabbi Shatz's Abraham and I'll I'll <laughs> I'll I'll raise her in Adam um and he talks about how he says, seeing that there had once been a human being who had been given free reign in God's house and had to be expelled. God contrasts Moses's stature, saying that he's trusted in all parts of God's house. 
right? Which is really interesting, like this idea that Gan Eden is actually God's house, which is an interesting construct, but speaking to how in some ways Moses is is like the one corrective to that, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it's also going back to this idea of the individual versus the more collective. I'm, I'm still thinking about this idea of, of what that's like for Moses and, and if that's lonely and how loneliness and spiritual experience, how spiritual experience is something that we hope connects us, but maybe can also like isolate us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I referenced this earlier, like as a part of the longer rant, but for those of you who don't know, um, one of Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik's more well-known works, The Lonely Man of Faith, uh, also known as The Rav, 20th century, like one of of the most famous philosophical religious thinkers of the 20th century. Um, And he he talks about at the very beginning of the book how he talks about his own loneliness and he also talks about god's loneliness which is a really really interesting concept that that god is lonely um and part of the enterprise of religion and spirituality is to connect with and through that loneliness Mm -hmm. like the last thing i'll say ryan i see i see your hands up and i'm curious what you have to say too um is as we're as we're talking about these ideas of prophecy and connection and seeing God clearly, um, you know the 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 challenge and the opportunity of like, you know, co- connecting to something bigger than us in a way that also like keeps us connected to the people and the world around us, which is also potentially it's a, it's its own tension, right? That that we don't that that we don't get get lost in Gan Eden and we also stay connected to to the people and community around us. So I think there's I think for me part of the reason I started pinging around a bunch is because I think there are like these tensions implicit in these verses. And I just think it's interesting to see how they kind of um map out and unfold. Uh Ryan, Fakashan, and then we'll we'll wrap up. So along those same lines, I think it's curious um, that this is the moment in the Torah that they take the opportunity to highlight Moshe's virtue of humility. The, the verse being, you know, Moshe, who was the most humble man, I, I think, who ever lived is the, the literal text there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so whilst simultaneously propping Moshe up as this figure who distinctly and uh, alone understands God in this way, he does so because he is humble, because he lets mm-hmm. it in, or perhaps because he lets other people in, um, it, it's almost this irony that setting your ego aside is how you achieve your high, higher self. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. This idea of, of, um, this idea of humility, which, which we, which we commented on earlier saying like, what the heck is that verse doing in there? That doesn't seem particularly germane to the larger narrative. And yeah, that, that maybe that's what, what makes it possible for him. Like by by being, attuned to who he actually is maybe it makes that type of elevation you know possible in some kind of way it's an interesting idea rabbi shots why don't you tie this all together in a neat and tidy bow for us <laughs> feels like an unfair task um i i really love what bonnie said because i think that i think that that is ultimately what this is about um the, uh, just just one little piece to add to this close. This actually comes up in our Mahsor, um during the Avodah service. Um, and the only reason I bring that up is because I think it actually even more poignantly goes to Bonnie's point that not only are we meant to to imagine that God 
that God was speaking to Moses to kind of give the direction of how this relationship might go, but to say, and now you decide what you do with that, right? What this relationship then looks like, how you engage, right? To go back to my original kushia, there are so many different ways. There's visions, there's mouth, uh, like speaking mouth to mouth. There's, uh, there's when you're sleeping, there's all these different ways that you could possibly connect with God. And so by giving all of the suggestions, now you choose which one is, which is the most connected to you. And, and I think that that's what, I think that's why this is written in the Torah. And I think that's, that's why I love the idea that it's so connected to the ancestors who also came before Moshe, because sometimes you need to figure that out based on the other people who are around you, not just on your own experience, but on others' experiences um, that have helped you craft who you are. So I guess to put it in a neat and tidy bow, I would say that this is a very, a very philosophical, a very theological, um, a very spiritual text that ultimately I think can be grounded if we each try to, decide, well, what is, how does it work for us to be in connection with God? So I hope that you can do that over this Shabbat um, and have opportunities to, to feel out what it is to have this relationship with your own spirituality. How was that for a neat and tidy bow, Rabbi? Great. And we'll pick simpler verses for next time. And Rabbi- oh, next week. Oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't say this before. That was your segue. That was your segue. Oh, thank you. I appreciate You're the segue. Welcome. Next week, we're not going to be meeting in person, but Rabbi Shapiro and I are going to be recording something that you can watch at this time. So it's going to be really? sent out. They can, watch it with, they can watch it this time or just going to be released as a podcast? It's going to be released as a podcast. Oh, I see what you're saying. Not actually visually watch it. Uh, we can talk about it. But yeah, probably just probably just listen to it during this time. Um And then the week after, we will be back together. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thanks for being on this journey with us. Ryan, lovely to see you. Thanks for coming. And have a good journey yourself. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.